You're listening to a Big MX Radio Podcast, brought to you by Arma Energy, presented by Fly Racing, W Wheels, Bill's Pipes, Just One Helmets, X-Brand Goggles, Shades of Grey Custom Helmet Painting, Rhino Power Sports Supplements, Roy Borton Suspension, Watts Perfections, and Golden Tire. Simply the best motocross and supercross news from around the globe. And now, here's your host, Brad Gephardt. Welcome to the Arma Energy Drink Big MX Radio Podcast Show, brought to you by Fly Racing, X-Brand Goggles, Just One Helmets, Bill's Pipes, and W Wheels. I am your host, Brad Gebhardt. With me on the line, we've got Mike Healy for the second time this week. Mike, you're a repeat offender. I uh, just talked to you yesterday, but uh, there was more to your story that we had to uncover, and I'm glad to do so. How are you this evening? Hey, how's it going, man? I'm doing Good great. How, how are you? <laughs> I'm good. You know, got a little rest last night and everything, and you now we get to start this up again and, and start it all over. I was gonna say, uh, not too many people have had on the show uh, our repeat offender on the uh, on the second day uh, after uh, their their podcast gets released. But uh, uh, yesterday we got cut short a little bit; weren't able to completely uh, get all of your story out. So uh, I had to text you up and say, uh, "Hey, let, let, let's uh, pull the trigger on that and uh, um, complete this thing because uh, your story is too compelling for people to be uh, left on a cliffhanger the way we left them uh, the last time." Well, I want to just apologize to everybody out there that was listening, no you know, about this. You know, it was, you know, my mom that came in, kind of cut it short, you know, you know, and, uh, you know, she didn't know that we were doing the interview or anything. And, you know, that was kind of my fault on, on my half, but, you know, it is what it is and, and we get to move on. And actually, I think it's a better thing because we actually get more time to talk and, you know, I'm, I enjoy talking about all this, the old days and everything. So it's a lot of fun for me. So I did actually work out. I couldn't agree more. It's another opportunity for me to uh, think about some of the things that I didn't get a chance to ask you about uh, the, the last time we had on the show, just yesterday, as well as, uh, yeah, continue to uncover some of those uh, details of your sport or your, your career that was uh, like absolutely, uh, it was a roller coaster. You had extreme highs, you had some lows, and you had uh, some great stories of, of being on the road, coming back and having some uh, some defining moments of your career when you came back and uh, rode Steel City, Steel City, won that moto over Emig and just about everybody else. Um, and, and that's kind of that's kind of where we left off, is that uh, like we came back, uh, Suzuki had uh, kind of given you the shaft a little bit over in Europe, and... Um, uh, it was it was Golden State races. It was uh, kind of uh, money races here and there, and uh, as well as uh, these new things that uh, they made a, co- a totally different sound were uh, were rumbling across the prairies, and as well as uh, in, in Colorado. That was the four stroke nationals. Um, when when did uh, when was the first time you, you swung your leg over a four stroke? Oh, I've uh, I don't know. I've ridden four strokes for quite a bit, um, even before they were cool to ride or even trendy to ride um i think the the first one that i got to ride um i don't know it was probably one of dallas baker's bikes um dallas baker has a son mike baker that i grew up racing with locally and uh and dallas was a, a one of the legendary four-stroke motor builders back in the day and i think ricky johnson even rode one of his bikes when the very first four-stroke nationals came out when it was down in carlsbad 
and it was in just an old uh, Yamaha IT 400 or something like that. And I mean, I think I it must have weighed probably eight. I think it was like 800, 900 pound bike or yeah. something. I mean, it was just huge. And uh, I mean, basically, I, we went out and I took it out to our, one of our local tracks at the time, Dianza, and broke the foot pegs off of it and stretched the frame out a little bit and, you know, brought it back to him and we did a little bit of work on it. And I think we went down to Brona Oak and I was doing, a, I made a two tabletops into a double jump. And, uh, you know, I was walking away with, I think the second moto until literally he sheared the foot pegs off the frame just from landing so hard and the bike being so heavy, you know, but, uh, I think that's when it started you know, for me with the four stroke and, uh, I don't know. It's, I mean, I, I went from that and over to, you know, IMS and rode their four forties, you know, their, their Honda for, uh, the four stroke national. Well, okay. So, uh, um, at any point did, uh, when you're over there in Europe, uh, did you, uh, tap Mike Young on the shoulder and, uh, and ask him to let you, uh, take a spin uh, on his, uh, Bertamati or anything like that? No, actually, I I think I only ran into Mike once or twice over there when I was in Europe. Um, you know, the, the four strokes were coming around. They they kind of made their appearance when I was already back at home. Um, okay. You know, there was none of when I was in the 250 class, there was none of them around yet in the 250 class, you know. And then uh, when I came home, that was when they were having the battle. Um, IMS had built me my 440, and I had a pretty much a, a work spike here in the state, you know, that I was riding for them. Um, but it was a huge battle going on with all the, the four strokes who was going to qualify for a uh, supercross main event first. And literally I was kind of had it, you know, in the bag and got disqualified. I got protested by factory Honda at Daytona supercross, you know, that I was riding a Honda and got, got protested by Honda you know, all at the race, you know, practice, I, I passed McGrath, I passed, you know, all the big names in practice and, um, you know, felt really good on the bike. It was handling, it was tracking, it was fast as can be, but, uh, Honda threw up the money and protested me and they, they pulled me off the track. So, so I didn't get to race and, you know, lo and behold, that's when, um, Doug Henry was the first one, I think, to qualify on a four-stroke, and he actually qualified in one in Vegas. That was Vegas so, later that year. Yeah, and I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if Lance Snell on his Husqvarna qualified prior to that or not. But I know all up until Daytona, at that point, nobody had qualified yet on a four-stroke for the main. But I mean, there was a, a ton of people that were trying. So. Yeah, Smale had uh, had a couple of. Uh, I think he had Houston that year and Tampa, uh, a couple of the the football uh, football stadiums that were uh, the long, longer tracks where you let those things get going. Uh, I remember. I, it, it's a laughable to, to hear the commentary uh, of, of like how they like basically described the four stroke back then. Uh, they described like just basically talked about them how disgustingly heavy they were uh they got traction but uh like not a bike for supercross whatsoever and uh uh, if they could only see them now huh? yeah exactly i mean you know they they didn't know what was was become of the bikes you know and and same thing you know my bike was 
was custom built. It was pretty much a work spike. IMS had a, a chrome molly frame custom built for it, which we had, you know, the 250 swing arm and shock and all that rear input on the bike. We had the 250, you know, rake of the front end and, and forks and front wheel, all that. So, I mean, it was pretty much a, a, a Honda 250 at the time, you know, with the frame modified a little bit to fit the four, you know, 400 motor that we had pumped up to, you know, like a, I don't know, their kit was a 440 that we even pumped more. I think we had like a 475 out of it. Wow. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was crazy. And I mean, we had cut so much weight off the bike that actually, I think we were pretty close to being too light, you know, for the 250 class. That's incredible. And, um, yeah. And, and basically when, when they protested me and said that I couldn't ride supercross, you know, we started taking it out and doing off-road and doing the Grand Prix and stuff with it. Mm -hmm. And, and it just blew by all the big bikes. Like, you know, Cali had their 500 and stuff, you know, Dave Ondas and those guys, you know, at the Grand Prix and Johnny Campbell was on his 600 at the Grand Prix. And, you know, I showed up on my 400 and just absolutely just blew by them. Like they were standing still on the long rough straightaways. So, I mean, they just, that bike was just unbelievable, you know, at its time. What, uh, what were the handling characteristics of a bike like that? Uh, probably power to the ground, but a uh, little bit, a uh, little bit different than a nimble 252 stroke. Yeah. I mean, it really was we had, you know, we had the, the suspension off the two stroke, you know, we had the swing arm and, and the linkage and, and the shock and everything on the rear. And we ran, you know, the, the big rear wheel and everything off the 250. And then we had, you know, we changed the angle, the rake on the front end. So it was the same angle and rake as the 250. And we took the fork and triple clamps and everything like that and front wheel and everything and put that on there from the 250. So, I mean, it handled like the 250, but it just was a little bit heavier. Being, you know, the Honda at that time, their oil system ran through the frame. So yeah. it, it carried a little more weight, you know, because of that. So... For me, it actually, it tracked a lot better for, for a, an outdoor track, a motocross track, or taking it out to the off-road, you know, the Grand Prix and stuff. You know, I mean, the thing handled just like a Cadillac. I mean, really, it was, it was a dream to ride on a motocross track. <clears throat> wow. So uh, when did the, uh, the, do you first step uh, foot on uh, for the full-blown four-stroke nationals and uh and honestly make a uh an effort at uh at winning that championship uh with the uh the 202 where'd that number come from that was that was the 440 that was the ims bike that i was talking about yeah um basically 202 i don't know we just came up with the number we had to pick a number you know for for ama to do the four-stroke nationals and uh I don't know. That was just a number that the, the owner and founder of IMS, Scott Wright, you know, it, it picked and kind of put it together. And, um, you know, it was, I don't know, it turned out to be a pretty decent number. I mean, a lot of people remembered it. Totally. Um, I, be, I believe 99 was already taken. Somebody else had it. You know, it was like an earned number that somebody took and uh, they weren't going to part with it. So, you know, and I don't know, 202 looked good on the number plate. Sure did, and so did you so, on the bike with some uh, some SMP uh, baggy gear, man. That was uh, a bit of an iconic look for that uh, that time frame. Uh, when was the first time that you uh, you tried out that gear and uh, basically looked at yourself in the mirror in a pair of baggy stuff? Well, we um, 
we were doing all the, the crusty demon stuff, you know, all the videos, the freestyle videos and stuff. And, you know, that was kind of the new craze was that the baggy gear. And I was just, you know, wasn't racing full time. I was just doing some, you know, the four stroke stuff and I was doing some magazine stuff and some video stuff. And the stuff was actually really comfortable to wear, you know, cause you could, you could wear it and just kick around like it was just, you know, except for, you know, my stuff that I had custom made to race in the normal stuff was just like wearing a pair of jeans over your boots. Just like if you're back in the day, just went out and go trail riding. So, um, but when I got, had the S and P sponsor me, when I was lucky enough to get that sponsor, part of the deal was that I, I got to design my own clothes. And I got cool. to make my own, my own clothing line, my signature line and got a percentage of it and everything. And so the, the all white gear with the red, black, and yellow, was kind of my own, my own scheme, my own, you know, kind of, you know, look, I, I tried to take it back to the old days with the old, uh, Cinesolo look, the old white and everything. And, yeah. Yeah. You know, but we, I could only go so far. S and P had to have, you know, their, their look in there too. So, you know, I could only go so far with taking it all the way my way. No joke. So, uh, um, as far as your schedule for that, that particular year, it was four stroke nationals and, uh, um, a, a lot of, uh, kind of one-off races as well as these, like I said, some, some golden state style races and, um, some free riding. Um, and like we said yesterday, we were talking about the weather. Uh, today's probably a little bit more sunny than yesterday, but, uh, yesterday was rain. And, uh, you'd mentioned that, uh, back in the day that was prime conditions to head out into the hills, which is, uh, an uh, intricate thing about uh, racing in California or being from California that, uh, many don't get to experience. Um, what are your, some of your fondest memories about going to ride in the hills, guys you rode with, people, uh, places you, that were kind of secret spots, uh, and, and anything like that? Well, I mean, that was kind of the cool thing about, you know, the 80s and 90s in, in SoCal was that we could. We could just take off and go riding out in the hills on, on any given day, you know. Most of the time, you know, I could park at a friend's house and just take off and go, and they can't do that anymore, you know, with the laws now and, you know, the housing has been built up 10 times, you know, tenfold compared to what it was that you just, you don't have the land anymore out here to ride. Not like you used to. And, uh, I mean, we, we would get chased, you know, by the cops every other day or so, just kind of a fun thing to do. And <laughs> so, I mean, I probably the, the craziest one was, uh, was out at a local spot that we always rode at in Riverside, you know, a track, it was called Mockingbird, you know, out in the hills. Okay. And, uh, literally I got chased for probably, I don't know, good five, maybe 10 miles by, uh, by Riverside PD. Whoa. By the time I hit the dirt again, I probably had five or six cop cars behind me. You know, and I was I was riding for Suzuki at the time. I was on my my 125s for uh, factory Suzuki, and uh, I was heading back down the road. I was just heading back to the house, you know, my buddy's house, just to uh, kind of just refill up with gas and see if my buddy was ready to head out there. And I'd left a, a couple guys out at our little practice track that we rode at, and you know, I just headed back by myself real quick. You know, something that normally should take me you know five minutes to do. But as I got to where his driveway was, you know, a cop came flying by me. So I just kept going. I didn't want to, you know, steer the cops to his house. And the, the cop made a U-turn and started chasing me and uh, went from a little, you know, back road, you know, 
just little kind of almost dirt road to uh, a big, you know, four lane boulevard. You know, we went ended up going out onto Van Buren and taking Van Buren all the way down to uh, almost to the 91 freeway. And, uh, and it was just, it was the funny part was, is that it was actually lunchtime for the, the high school kids. And uh, the only way I could figure to turn around because I was, you know, on the right side of the street was I pulled into uh, Del Taco. And uh, <laughs> cops, the cops came into Del Taco thinking they were going to block me. And I ended up going over the grass and over the little embankment and stuff and went out through the drive through and, you know, back down, you know, Van Buren until I hit Mockingbird. And, you know, my buddies were sitting out there just wondering what was taking me so long. And it just, they said it sounded like it just a swarm of bees come flying down the road. And uh, I said they couldn't believe it. And I was just fully tucked underneath the bars like a road racer on my 1.5, just tapped past that little thing would go. Wishing it was and a 250. Had, like, and they said it was just the funniest thing because I had, you know, like five or six cop cars, you know, probably 10 feet behind me going down the road. And just they said I just sat up, locked it sideways, and pulled right onto the dirt, and the, the cops never saw me again. There <laughs> so, you go. You know, so I mean that was kind of the, one of the, the fun memories, you know, just getting chased and you know getting away with it, and you know one of the times. <laughs> no kidding. Well, this is this is a, a situation where you're just literally out uh, enjoying the California landscape. You're not uh, really breaking uh, the laws per se. You're just uh, a, a, you're you're one of what um, numerous numerous um, motocross <laughs> racers did back in the day. That was just uh, what you did in California. Yeah, yeah, that's, I mean... Malcolm Smith told me the very same of, thing There was in a person. lot of places. Yeah, there, there's a, there was a lot of places back in the days that we would just pull off the side of the road and ride, you know, and that was just part of being a motocrosser growing up in, in SoCal. You know, that was the lucky part of it. You know, I mean, literally, you could drive home from the, from the track. If you drove home, say, from Glen Helen, you could spot, you know, probably 10 different spots where you could see tracks just on the side of the freeway where people would just pull off the freeway and ride. So, but I mean, we're not allowed to do that anymore. You do it now, you're, you're going to jail for, for a little time. No kid, no kidding. Well, with all the, uh, um, <laughs> like the, basically the reason why four strokes came around is what they're, they didn't want, uh, the, the, the emissions and well, everything. All that, and, the, uh, yeah. The, the, all the laws that they passed, you know, the OEM laws and stuff, you know, the spark arresters and all that stuff. And yeah, you know, that's, that's the thing now is they, they don't want all the, the hazardous, you know, debris in the air and all that, you know, they blame it on motorcycles. Blame you it know, on motorcycles because, uh, cars don't yeah. outnumber motorcycles 10 to one. Yeah. I mean, I, I even, I believe that, you know, just people smoking cigarettes outnumbers motorcycles. Probably. You know, the if, yeah. There's more people, at least I know there was in the eighties and nineties. In the early 2000s, there's definitely more people smoking cigarettes and, and blowing more smoke in the air than there was motorcycles blowing smoke in the air. That's for sure. So, and I, I know for sure in Europe there was guaranteed. Oh, for sure. Um, but uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, as far as uh, like getting getting back to the uh, the four stroke nationals a little bit, uh, that was a, a series that was a series ran by uh, by Don Schneider. Um, Don would be uh, remiss if I didn't uh, at least bring him up uh, for a short period of time <laughs> and ask. Uh, <laughs> yeah, good old Don. Good old yeah, Don. I, I miss that man. And uh, what, what's your best uh, Don Schneider story? Because uh, if 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 anybody knows Don, there's there's got to be stories that come along with it. 
I don't know. I mean, I never really, other than just seeing him at the races and, and dealing with him at the races, I mean, Don's always been a great guy to me. He's always been, you know, a, a top-notch stand-up man, you know, as far as I'm concerned. And, but we never never did anything outside from the track, really, together. Okay. You know? um, Do you think you should get the mustache you know, back? You know what? I, it doesn't matter. Whatever makes it, makes him happy, <laughs> you know? Some some people can run a stash, some can't. I mean, I I can't run one. I I look like a dork with a mustache. So, you know, that's I'm just kind of the the old school clean shaven greaser. So, you know, but you know, Don can do it. He can pull it off. So, you know, if he wants it back, you know, then all the power to him. Fair enough. Well, uh, back back in the day, uh, one of the things uh, I was reminded of by uh, by by Tony Blazer is that uh, uh, you were you were known to be uh, have befriended uh, the guys over at uh, um, Guns and Roses. Um, tell us how how that relationship uh, started, and I, I believe uh, um, the lead singer of, of Poison or not Poison? Is it Poison? Well, I, I've known those guys for a long time. I. I don't really know much of them anymore yeah. just because it's been so many years and things like that and people go their own ways. And, but, um, yeah, we were, we were friends, you know, we had met up in Hollywood and, you know, I think everybody's kind of heard the story once or twice and, yeah. you know, it just, um, basically, you know, they were motocross fans and I was a heavy metal fan and, you know, it just kind of went that way. So, you know, we ended up meeting up and hanging out and one thing led to another and, you know, became buddies. When when they came over to Europe, they hung out with me in Europe, and you know when I was here, I'd hang out with them and go to shows, and they'd go to some races, and it was just it was a, it was a cool thing, you know. No kidding. Well, you know, uh... they just they they had a, they had a pretty uh, pretty gnarly lifestyle going there for a while, and you know so they had their thing to do, and I had my thing to do. Well, uh, like uh, Axl Rose is notoriously late for his uh, concert. Does that? Uh, I'm wondering if that kind of goes over into his uh, uh, his personal life. Did, did, was he was he often late for uh, a, a dinner engagement as well? I couldn't tell you, man. I <laughs> like I said, what they did, you know, was their business. Um, you know, I know that Axl. I know I I've been waiting at shows and he never showed up. So you know, it's just hard to say. Fair enough. You know, well, I was I was only a a GNR fan, you know, through the eighties and nineties. I mean, I still am. I still like their their old old stuff, but you know, nowadays it's music changes, and and I I like the changes in the music. You know, I I change with it. So, you know. Well, what do you listen to now? Like, uh, what what gets uh, gets the blood flowing? Uh, what do you like? To, what do you uh, turn turn up in the radio when you're driving your car? Oh man, I don't know. I'm uh like I said, I'm I'm just an old school, you know, racer. I'm I'm a rockabilly. You know, I I like you know, the like the stray cats and you know, the Reverend Horton Heat and the Blasters and, you know good old, you know, psychobilly, just some some good old, you know, bands that it only takes three guys to make a band. You know, you got a drummer and a, a lead guitarist and, you know, singer and a stand up bass and I'm good. It doesn't take much to to impress me on the stage anymore. <laughs> Fair enough, man. Well, uh, you know, um, and, oh, go ahead. But I am, I am a, I am a big supporter of, uh, like the, the Orange County, you know, punk rock scene. I do, do support that, you know, quite a bit. You know, anytime I can, I will go and, and see, you know, a local punk rock band play and just kind of, 
you know, give them the, the shout out from the old school guys. No kidding. And uh, it'd be a great opportunity for you to uh, pass out a few business cards as you uh, make your way towards uh, um, becoming a, a full-time uh, certified barber and uh, maybe helping those guys out with a couple of sick mohawks uh, coming down the uh, coming down the way. Oh, dude, I, I, I carry so many business cards with me. I, I hand them out to everybody. It doesn't matter what you're doing. You could be working behind the counter at Del Taco and if if you got a messed up fade or something and, and something doesn't look right, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a business card. You know, I'll, I'll pass them out to women too. I mean, I have no problem doing women's hair either, you know? So if, if your hair, hair doesn't look good, like it should be, you know, I'll definitely pass the card out and try to, you know, get your business. Hey, this is Jake Weimer with team Tedder racing. And you're listening to big MX radio. We're going to commercial break. We'll be right back. If there's one item to be picky about, it's choosing the right helmet. I'm Andrew Short, and I choose the F2 Carbon from Fly Racing. You too can wear the exact same helmet I wear, Trey Kennard wears, Jimmy Albertson wears, and many others. The F2 Carbon is a helmet loaded with details that make a huge difference in comfort and safety. Lightweight materials, phenomenal airflow, and a super comfortable, sweat-absorbing liner, and generous eye port design to accommodate any goggle choice are just a few. And did I mention how super trick these helmets look? Straight off the shelf and onto the racetrack. If you are looking for one amazing helmet, look no further than the F2 Carbon from Fly Racing. For more information about Fly Helmets and other products from Fly Racing, visit them on the web at flyracing.com. What's wrong, Jeff? I don't know, Jay. Well, you better fuel up with a nutritious breakfast with Oats and Bran. Oats and Bran? I didn't think there was such a thing. That's what I used to think. Now, I start out every morning with a bowl of Amigos. For extreme kids like us. Ex-racing man, but more than bikes, what Big Jeff likes is a fat bull. And they goes with brand, fat bull. And they goes with brand, oats for power, brands for speed. Who that tastes, what a delicious treat. Cereal Bees, Emigos. That's what I call fueling for the big ride. Hey, kids, start out every morning with a fat bowl. When it comes to helmets, there is just one. The helmet brand, that is. Just One Helmets is tailor-made for motocross and street bike riding, and now available in North America. Who chooses Just One? Well, for starters, Tim Geiser, winner of the Italian round in MX2, David Philipparts, Vicky Golden, Trevor Reese, as well as David Pulley. And you know what? So do I. I choose Just One Helmets because they are simply the safest, lightest, and most comfortable lid available. Want to know more about Just One Helmets? Check them out on the web at www.justonehelmets.com. Find out about the J12 the J32, and all of the colorways that are absolutely blow your socks off. So guys, please head over to www.justonehelmets.com today. Go check them out. You won't be disappointed. Much 2014 X Brand Goggles is back and better than ever. 
from the Scatter-X, Volcano, and Phantom Goggle, X-Brand has the product to make you stand out on race day. The quality of X-Brand products is second to none. Great lenses, incredible frame, and a strap that doesn't wear out. Great tear-offs, zip-off systems, nose guard, and more. Check out eksbrand.com for all of the accessories and pricing. WUSA is your one-stop shop for quality wheel sets in America. All of the best components built for the toughest conditions. Hit up WUSA.com, that's D-U-B-Y-A-U-S-A.com right now and check out the custom wheel builder selection. Pick your rims, pick your hubs, pick your spokes, even pick your nipples and see what it's going to look like on your bike. On the website, you'll drool over components like XL and DID rims, Talon and Kite aluminum hubs, Galfer and Brembo brakes, and spokes that take a licking and keep on ticking. The same wheels that you buy are built by the same guys we're building wheels for. Ryan Dungey, Jeremy Martin, Chad Reed, and the entire Geico Honda team. And I kid you not, they are not told whose wheels are whose, they just build amazing product. And I want you guys in a set of W wheels. So do what I did and head to WBYAUSA.com today. WUSA, all things wheels. What's up, guys? It's time to talk a little bit about Roy Borden Race. He's the performance specialist suspension, making a motor work, balancing a bike, or just maintenance. He's got the tools and know-how to make sure that your bike is ready on race day or practice. Roy Borden has strength in years of experience and the best technology and best tools at his disposal. Whether you're getting your forks redone, seals, or a full, full-blown full rebuild on your forks or, or shock, call up Roy Borden today at 204-633-2722. Bill's Pipes, the home of legendary performance. Since 1974, Bill's Pipes has been providing motocross and off-road riders the performance they need. Two-stroke or four-stroke, Bill's Pipes has the exhaust system for you. In recent years, we've seen a resurgence of the Bill's Pipes brand, and that's great news. And that's great news for motocross racers everywhere. For four-strokes, Bill's Pipes brings the RE13 to dominate the fight on any brand. For you two-stroke guys, the MX2 Bill's Pipes exhaust system is the right one for the job and comes in works, nickel, and the all-new cone-look finish that'll turn heads all day long. Head to Bill'sPipes.com right now and get the same pipe used by Billy Lininovich, Vicky Golden, JMR Suzuki team, Jesse Pierce, Nico Izzy, and David Cole. Bill's Pipes is craftsmanship at its finest. So go with Bill's Pipes and never settle. Absolutely, and it's it's great to see that you're uh, you're, you're confident in that, and, and you want to make a difference. And I guess that's a, a great way to segue into uh, the, the the part. I wanted to talk a little bit about your new passion, uh, which is uh, which is which is 
um, the what's the the word the, for the it? Barbering, uh, the barbering, barbering, um, and yeah. uh, like anyone who's will go uh, to your social media, Healy Barber ninety nine, would see that it's not only an outlet by, for your personal life, but uh, it's that's your your portfolio as well, and it's absolutely littered with uh, some of the coolest looks and uh, some looks that honestly I'm not sure if I could pull off, but uh, I'd like to be able to one day. Um, but uh, <laughs> where did that all start for you? And um, and like as far as the, the passion and, and, and building that towards something that you really want to continue doing? You know what? I, I don't exactly know where the passion came from um, because when I enrolled in school I, I enrolled because my my daughter said you know that it's not a hard thing to do you know dad I can do it you can do it kind of thing and and I just knew that I wanted to work with her and, and she had mentioned that she wanted to work with me so you know that's kind of where the passion came from but I know when I started school at Paul Mitchell I had never cut hair before outside of you know school so I mean I literally I've never, never even held a pair of proper shears until I was at Paul Mitchell and got my kit. And, um, you know, I literally the, the first day when they gave me, you know, a doll head and told me that I had to kind of do my own haircut and, you know, what, what I thought was a haircut, you know, I was standing there shaking. You know, I was scared to death that I was going to strip a doll head, you know? Yeah. And um, by the time the, the haircut was done, you know, literally like the teachers came over and were asking me, you know, where I'd learned to cut hair. And I just kind of, I was just baffled because, you know, you know, I just knew that I was just trying to make it look good. That's all I was trying to do is just get through the day and try to make the, you know, the doll head look good. And, uh, somehow I, I succeeded. I did okay. And once I realized that I could do it, you know, that's kind of when I got excited and, and realized that I actually enjoy doing it. And, uh, you know, like we talked about last night, just having the chance of sitting someone in my chair and, and getting to talk to them and getting to know a new person and hear their stories, that's kind of what brought all the excitement to it, you know? And that's, yeah. what I, that's what I look forward to every day is that chance of meeting somebody new, you know, cool. and, and trying to make a difference in their life. That, that that's really cool, and uh, like we said yesterday, uh, when you feel good, you look good, and uh, you're able to uh, to create a really cool, interesting look for uh, a, a ton of individuals. Uh, and uh, what what would you say is the um, the thing that most people are are, are looking for? Is it uh, a clean look? Is it an edgy look? Um, and uh, honestly, something that's kind of come in in the last uh, two years or so is kind of that uh, old school military look, uh, like the the uh, the map more look they've called it a couple of times yeah um, the, the, the high and tight yeah the like high what, and tight, what's that the, all about the, the, the hard they're, they're doing a hard part nowadays you know with the, the high and tight the real high tight fade you know and it's i don't know i've i've actually had people sit down in my chair and i've talked them out of certain haircuts you know because i just think you know when you get to a certain age you, you shouldn't be doing certain haircuts and, and things like that and you know and or you're too young or too old for it you know but because uh, I, I want, not only do I want to give the, the client the haircut that he wants, but I want him to be happy, you know, with the haircut they got and, and know that they look good. And, you know, I don't want to give a guy that's 60 years old a haircut that should be on a 15-year-old kid. Yeah. You know, it's just not appropriate, you know, and it's, and I'll let them know it. And I'll, you know, if I hurt their feelings and, you know, 
maybe not have them come back, but they're still going to leave with a good haircut, you know, and it's going to be what they, you know, what represents them. And, you know, it kind of sucks that I say that, but, you know, I, I feel that, you know, that's kind of my position to give my opinion. If, you know, if you're 50 years old, you know, then, you know, you, you need a nice, clean, you know, gentleman's haircut, you know? So, I don't know. I Maybe it is my thought to say, maybe it isn't. You know, I don't know, but I, I definitely want to make sure that my, my clients, you know, are leaving the chair, looking the best that they can look, and, you know, are happy with what they got. That's right on. So, personally, uh, what what's your favorite, uh, what, what are some of your favorite looks to achieve, or uh, uh, what were some of the most difficult looks for you to, to master, because uh, like, like uh, um, just like sand is different from hard pack, I, I'm sure there's uh, some skills involved with all the different uh, um, techniques that, uh, that are involved with barbering. You know, I have trouble still with all of them. I mean, school and I'm still a beginner. You know, I've, I've only done so many hours and, and I haven't had the chance to work in a shop or a salon yet. And, um, you know, I sit there and I'll tinker and, and kind of, be, you know, finesse, you know, with my clients until it's a hundred percent the way I want it and, or the way that they want it. And until that happens, you know, they're not getting out of my chair. So, I mean, maybe that's why my haircuts turn out so good is because I'm kind of so finicky about it. But, um, you know, I make sure that it's 100% correct before they get up. And, you know, that's kind of what I, I have to do. So I'm still learning. I'm from day to day, I, you know, I have, you know, three doll heads on, on stands in my bedroom right now that, you know, I'm still practicing. I practice, you know, with a blow dryer every day. I, I practice, you know, with the rollers. I, I do it all every day. So, you know, it's, I want to be the best at what I'm doing. So I'm, I'm still, you know, I'm learning every day. Fair enough. Well, uh, um, not only do you, uh, you yourself, uh, you do barbering, but you, you yourself always seem to have a, a fresh uh, new look going on. So I'm curious as to uh, who you trust to do the barbering on, uh, on you. <laughs> well, I mean, I used to have a barber back in the day and, uh, he passed away and then it was just kind of, I don't know, whoever I could get to do it. So, um, right now I have a, a barber that, that I kind of go to and, uh, you know, it's just a young lady that actually, uh, I go to school with or went to school with and, uh, you know, she's kind of helping me, you know, kind of see things. She, she's a Cosmo that actually is getting her barber's license. So she knows how to cut hair and stuff. And, um, she's been helping me out kind of down the road and, you know, helping me kind of be a better man too. She's, you know, I know when I'm around her, I, I have to watch my P's and Q's and, and do the right thing and stuff. And so that's, she's helping me stay on, on the right path of, of being a gentleman. And then again, she's also giving me, you know, great haircuts. So, you know, I'm, I'm getting more than just a haircut from her. You know, she's helping me out, you know, all the way around. So, 
That's not that's not too bad at all. It's uh, best of both worlds. And like we said uh, yesterday, uh, you guys are full time barbers and also full time therapists because um, that, that there's like there's nothing quite like sitting down in a barber's chair and kind of uh, unloading life's problems. Which I uh, hope you guys don't mind that we do uh, every time. Oh, I have no problem with it. I, I enjoy the you know the therapy part of it. That's actually you know what I look forward to is, is hearing somebody's story. And, you know, and that's kind of the same reason why, you know, I, I do these interviews and these podcasts is, you know, because of my, my background and my past, you know, I did bump my head a few times and I did go down the wrong road, you know, here and there. And, and if I can help somebody so that they don't make mistakes that I made, then, then it's all worth it. So yeah. that's, you know, the cool thing about being a, a counselor there and being a barber is, you know, if, if I can hear, if I hear somebody, you know, start to go down that road, you know, I can tell them what, what's at the end of that road, you know, that it's not a good thing. And it's, you know, it's not, you know, the positive thing. And so, you know, if I can do it and I'm going to do it, I, I definitely, you know, doing everything I can to, to keep kids from making the mistakes that I made in life. Right on. So, uh, it's, uh, have you uh, had the opportunity to do so, any uh, public speaking at all, or uh, even uh, in, be impressionable on uh, on some youths that you really felt like uh, they, they heard you? And uh, th- that's got to be a special thing. Um, you know what? I I really haven't gotten to do any public speaking other than you know doing you know these, these interviews like this and and. Doing an interview, you know, like with, uh, you know, with Racer X and stuff and the podcast and everything and, you know, like with Mathis and with you and, um, but anything farther than that, I really haven't. Um, I've thought about it. It would be kind of a cool thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, because I know there's a, a lot of young kids out there that are, are getting into drugs and getting into the gang life and getting into things that they really don't need to be involved in you know, at way too young of an age or at any age, it's, they really don't need to be part of it. It's, it's, there's nothing positive at the end of it. So, you know, I just haven't had the chance, you know, when basically, you know, since, since I've been out, I've, I've done, I've put all my attention into school. So I haven't had a chance to do anything yet other than school. So, you know, and, and right now that, just been the most important thing for me is to, to finish school. Right. So, uh, um, um, with that being said, uh, I'd like to give you the opportunity right now that if there was uh, a young man or a young lady that's listening right now that uh, uh, needs someone to talk to and has had faced with some some difficult things ahead of them, what would you say to them? Well, I mean, it, it, it's hard to, to say just right off the bat. It, it just depends on what their problem is. I mean, it just depends on if, if their problem is drugs or if their problem is is booze or, you know what I mean? There, there's yeah. so many other problems that, you know, if it's, if it's the gang life or, or something like that, you know, it just depends on what the problem is on what I can say to them, um, you know. But a lot of it is you, you just really have to be careful and be alert of who you put yourself around, you know, basically... I know for me, the people I hang around is kind of the people I become, you know, um, if I'm, when, when, before, when I got in trouble, I was hanging around with a lot of, you know, wrong people. Yeah. 
and that led me right down the wrong road. And there was nobody there to tell me I was doing anything wrong or anything like that. You know, in fact, they actually encouraged it. And, you know, so and where did it lead me? It just, it led me to, to going to prison, you know, and that's horrible. That's, that's absolutely miserable. It's, it's embarrassing to be a grown man in your 40s and, and being in prison is in, in my eyes is embarrassing. So, um, you know, now since I've been out, I've looked and, and checked very, very thoroughly and very closely to who I'm around, who I associate with. And I mean, I, when I got out, I cut everybody off. I threw every number away. I cut everybody off and started completely over, you know? Yeah. I changed, I changed everything in my life to make my life better. So, you know, I had to, I, I had to change everything. If I didn't, I was going to go right back down the same path and end up right back in the same place. So, I mean, first off, I mean, the, the most important thing I can say is to be careful of who you put yourself around, you know, and, and who you allow around you. That's, that's the main thing. You know, that's the hard part because, you know, somebody that you think is your friend or someone that you think loves you, you know, could be your biggest enemy. Totally. You know, not knowing that they are, that they could, you know, hurt you the worst and not even trying to just the fact that they're doing drugs or they're doing something wrong. And, and at that time you don't think it's wrong, but it's going to end up being wrong in, in the long run. So, you know, that's just, that's the hard part. Uh, well, uh, since, since, uh, rejoining, uh, society, I feel like you've done a model job of, uh, of bringing positivity with you everywhere you go, crossing your I's and dotting your T's and, uh, and, and just absolutely making, uh, making the best foot forward every single day. And, uh, and that's why I wanted to call you up, my friend, because, uh, you've got a, you've got a great story. You've got a great heart and, uh, you're extremely passionate about what you do. And, uh, I think that's, uh, congruent with, with motocross. That's the, 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 People who love motocross love it in its purest form. It's because of the competition. It's because of the the people that you meet. It's because of uh, the, how great the sport is and the love that you can share between people who just l- love being around the sport. And uh, and and you've uh, taken that same passion, that 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 strong passion, and brought that to to, to your barbering. And uh, it's shown that uh, motocross people can uh, long after the the motos are done, you can take that passion, you can apply it somewhere else, and be successful. And uh, ultimately, um, on on Saturday night before uh, before I headed to bed, I had to. Um, I, I was looking at your Instagram and I saw that you had some uh, some Healy Barber ninety nine T shirts uh, still available, and uh, you you were uh, you attached your, your your phone number onto that, and I was like, I need to call that guy up uh, before the weekend's out. I got to get uh, my Healy story told. Well, and I, I appreciate it, man. I mean, you, you just, you almost just brought tears to my eyes, you know, because it, it's been really a, a hard journey. I've, I've had to change everything in my life because I want to go back to being the man that my mom raised me to be, you know, a gentleman. And I let that flip for a couple of years and, and became, you know, pretty bad person. And that's not who I am, you know, and, you know, and it, it's tough. Because, you know, like I said, I, I had to get rid of all my friends or people that I thought were my friends and, and you know, and start over. 
and it, it's tough, you know. So, you know, to, to hear the, the compliments, man, I thank you very much from, from the bottom of my heart. I, I mean it with everything that I am. Thank you. And, uh, you know, and everybody out there that's supporting me and, and backing me, you know, I, I thank them and, and I, you know, give them all the love in the world for, for backing me and, and having faith in me. You know, I just, you know, it, it's, a, it's a new start. It's a new life for me. And, you know, I get up every morning, you know, happy. And it's so much better than, than getting up, you know, the way it was before and just hating, you know, life and hating myself in life. And, you know, it's just so much better nowadays. So I just, you know, I can't wait for what the future brings. Well, thank you, Mike, for uh, not only uh, rejo- rejoining us and, and, and giving us your story and uh, and continuing to inspire and uh, be a good influence and, and, and get back to the Mike, uh, Mike Healy that uh, you wanted to be, you always should have, uh, supposed to be, and the the... Um, the guy that you, you want to be, and um, I, I'm proud to be able to have you on the show, not only yesterday but today as well, and, and talk about um, all things motocross, all things Mike Healy, and uh, on behalf of myself uh, and and everyone here at Big MX Radio, uh, can't can't thank you enough for the opportunity to uh, bring your story to light, my friend. And uh, this this will this will not be the last time we have you on the show. I, I absolutely insist that uh, you come and join me again. We talk some motocross, we talk two strokes, talk four strokes, and uh, and everything in between. And uh, I'd like to think that uh, through all this, we've uh, created a friendship. Exactly. And I was just going to say, you have my number, and and I put it on my Instagram. You know because I'm not afraid of people calling me and uh, you know, if anybody has a problem out there, if there's anything that I can help somebody with, that's why I put my number on there. And I know people might think, Oh, it's, you know, it's just some hokey number or something. It actually, it's, it's my personal number. It's my cell phone that's number. Your iPhone, man. And, and um, I put it out there because I know what it feels like to, to hurt, you know, and have dark days and dark nights and, you know, and if I can help somebody, you know, get through it and be better and, and help them, you know, change their life and, and get to where I'm at now, you know, that's what I'm here for. So that's why I say anybody needs, you know, needs to tell someone to talk to or anything, I'm, I'm here. So, you know, same thing with you, man. Anytime you need to chat, please feel free to call me. Right on, man. Well, uh, I will absolutely pull it, take you up on that. Uh, and with that, I, I honestly, I, I, like I said, I cannot thank you enough. And uh, I, I need you to have a great rest of your evening. And uh, as soon as this podcast is out, we'll, we'll get a, a, a link over your way. But um, again, thank you for, for your time. And uh, I hope that uh, we left no stone unturned. And uh, like I said, if you ever want to come back on the show to say anything uh, about motocross or other wise uh the my my uh my my phone is uh, my number's in your phone as well so uh dial me up and um don't worry i will i will i'll you know just may give you a call just out of the blue just hit you up and just say hey you know what i I want to talk about this yeah (laughs) please do i got a new pair of shears i got a new pair of shears you want to you want to see what they look like yeah (laughs) i totally hey send me those photos and uh and i'm sure there's some people out there that would love for you to uh send them some t-shirts and i know you have uh a very limited uh supply left over and um let everyone know and all they they can uh, all they have to do yeah all they have to do is, is get a hold of me you know through you know instagram 
you know, on my Instagram page, you can either DM me or my number is on there. They can call me direct. Um, like you said, there's a limited amount and it is a, a t-shirt with a, a sticker kit. There's a sticker package that I put together nice. that has probably 11 or 12 stickers in it. And they're all the new, you know, Healy Barber stickers. And, uh, you know, I, I had some cool ones that we designed, you know, kind of, you know, your barber slow and things like that. And, you know, because I, I challenge any barber that wants to race, hey, let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll bench race with any barber out there, no problem. <laughs> right on, man. So, well, uh, but, um, yeah. Yeah. You know, that's how to get a hold of me. And, and you know, whether they want to talk and they want to get a shirt or whatever or schedule a, a haircut with me, you know, it, it's all good. I'm, I'm here for them. Right on, man. Well, uh, um, I really appreciate you uh, coming on the show, chatting moto and uh, and hairstyling as well. And I hope that uh, I'll come down to California one day and I'll have the privilege to uh, to be in your chair. Yep. Hopefully, hopefully sooner than later. You know, we'll get this together so you can come down here and, and definitely I'll clean you up. Beauty. I, I, I need it. I, I always just go number two on the sides and leave a little on the top. It's too boring. Uh, I need to uh, I need a faster barber. Yeah, we gotta we gotta put some style in that for you. I can do it. Perfect. So, well, uh, anytime, don't hang anytime up just you come yet. Come down to SoCal. I got you. Perfect. What well, was that? I said don't hang up just yet, but for podcast sake, we'll cut it off yeah, right yeah. there. All right, no problem. Thank you for listening to the Big MX Podcast, brought to you by X Brand Goggles. Be sure to check out our archive for episodes you may have missed. Check out our website at bigmxradio.com for more content.